Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of Romans, chapter 1. Here's Pastor Ryan. God understands my situation, or God understands their situation, and, and we, we, we think that we're exempt from obedience to his word. Well, a bondservant doesn't think that way. A person who still has mastery over themselves believes that way. We're slaves. What our master calls us to do, that is what we need to do. Do we do what he wants us to do? Or do we do what we want to do? Do we follow Christ? Or do we do what others want us to do? Are we still living for what others want us to do? Oh, Christmas, no doubt, is about family as well. Are we following family or are we following Jesus? Are we following tradition or are we following Jesus? Galatians 1 verse 10, write this one down. This one is applicable. For do I not persuade men or God, Paul says, or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. If I'm still living for what my family or friends or others tell me I should do, rather than listen to God's word, I'm not a bondservant. I'm still a people pleaser. And many do that because of fear. Their confidence isn't where it needs to be in Christ. We should love Christ so much that obedience is that cry of our heart every day. That I would obey you no matter if no one follows. No matter if my family ostracizes me and just cuts me out or don't, don't want anything to do with me. I'm still going to love you even if my friends leave me. If everyone leaves me, I'm still going to love you. This is a real issue in the Bible. It's a real issue today. And at Christmas time, it is Christmas time. And so family is on our heart and on our minds. And some of us are going to get together, perhaps. Some uh, reunions happening. We want them to be good. But what is the biblical way of, of handling those situations? As parents and as grandparents... Are we upholding the holiness of our homes as bondservants of Jesus Christ? Or are we compromising by allowing our non-saved family members to sin in our homes? Allowing them to drink and party or to bring their sexually immoral partners to our home? It's one thing if we're planning a sit-down to be a witness and to sit them down. God loves sinners. But I fear that many have ignored the elephant in the room when it comes to sin amongst our children or grandchildren or cousins or brothers and sisters or whomever. God loves the sinner, but he doesn't sugarcoat what's wrong. And if there's a divine appointment, then the truth should be said. Jesus met the, the Samaritan woman at the well. 
And he loved her enough to say, to say call your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. He goes, yeah, you've had five of them. And the one you're living with right now is not your husband. I mean, that's for those, you know, oh, but it's grace. I'm under grace, pastor. No, you're under afraid of your family. Because Jesus can come back at any moment and this can be the last Christmas that we have. And we don't want to be in heaven where Jesus is wiping away the tears of regret that, man, I had that one shot. I should have told him. God loves you. But the law says it's unlawful for you to be sleeping with your girlfriend or your boyfriend because that's what they are. They're not your husband or your wife. And for those who think, well, they're not saved, they're, they're not under the same uh, conditions as we are. I was lost for a long time. I know the thinking of a lost young man. And even heathens know how to show their grandparents some respect. You know what I mean? Even amongst my gang, someone cussed in front of my grandma, smack him across the head, what's wrong with you? Because even sinners know how to show some manners and respect. And our family members should know that our convictions before God are, are exactly like Joshua. In Joshua 24, 15, he says, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Our non-believing -family, non family members don't have to come to Christ, but they sure have to respect our homes. That's a real serious issue. It's a test. And if you look at the Christmas story, it's, it's well, test after test after test, right? Them going from Nazareth to Bethlehem, was that not a hard test? Staying in an inn where there's no room for them, or in the stables because there's no room for them in the inn, that was hard, that was cold. The, the wise man coming from the east, going to Herod and realizing Herod wants to kill this child and, 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 and yet finding Jesus and then not going back to Herod and then the baby's being killed in Bethlehem. Everything is serious and beautiful. And everything is serious and beautiful today. And this might be the shot where, where you know what, I just, um, you know, if they can't put away uh, that when they come to your house, then, you know, Make it a short visit, but I wouldn't allow that stuff in my house. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37 through 39. Jesus said, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. You know, to whom much is given, much is required. The more we know, the more we're responsible for it. And some of, you know, our, our, our children or grandchildren who aren't walking with the Lord, but they surely know what you and I believe. And they can't put away or not show up with that, you know, person they're shacking up with out of respect for your beliefs. I think they can. And if anything, they get a good warning that you love them, that you care for them. But, you know, Jesus is coming soon. 
Look at where everywhere Jesus went. He healed people and said, go and sin no more, lest something worse happen come upon you. He said that, guys. He wasn't, you know, he, he met with sinners. And I'm saying meet with sinners, meet with them. But Christmas is a time when we celebrate our Lord and the holiness of our Lord. I'm not going to sit at a table with two people shacking up. That's just me. I'm not telling you what to do, but it's something to consider and ask the Lord. But I think a bondservant says, you know what, my house belongs to my master. The table and the food belong to my master. I can't sit like this while you're killing yourself in front of me. I just can't sit with this. Y'all you know, need to get, I, you know what I mean? It's not like, pass me the gravy. I, I can't eat the gravy. Both of you are in sin. That's what would happen to me. I love you guys. The both of you are in sin. We can talk more about this later, but we're celebrating the holiness of our God. Ooh. See you Friday. <laughs> I say this because it's brought up to me many times. As a senior pastor, that's a question I get all the time. The Bible talks about what to do when you have an unbelieving spouse. Well, if the unbelieving spouse lets you worship the Lord in peace, do not divorce them. If a non-believing spouse says, oh no, you're not going to church. Oh no, you're not going to, you know, and lives like a, like a complete heathen in your house. Separation is legal in the Bible, you know. And heathens can behave, I'm telling you. I don't buy into that. Well, they're sinners or heathens. They can't have manners. Yes, they can. Yes, they can. When they go to work, they don't swing from the chandeliers and use foul language. They behave because money's at stake. They play the part. Amen? So don't tell me they can't behave in your house. So a non-believing spouse that was willing to live with you in peace, chill with them. But if they're not, warn them. Warn them again. Warn them a third time and then bounce and see if that changes them. And a lot of times that changes them and a non-believer lives in peace with the believing spouse. But if I was in that situation, I kind of go to, you know, you honor your spouse, but you go to church as the Lord leads you to go to church and not let any family member stop you or hinder you or whatever. Because if we don't, then we're making them an idol. And he says... Um, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. And that doesn't mean that Paul was separated from the world. We're in the world, not of the world. But this separation is to something. I am, the priority of Paul's life since becoming a believer is the message of Jesus Christ to anyone who will hear it. I am separated to do that. All of us in this room who love Jesus, that's the priority of our lives now. Yes, we're moms and dads and uncles and aunts and grandmas and grandpas. And yes, we take care of our lives and our kids and all those things. But the priority is that we've been separated to share the gospel with as many people as will hear us. And that's what that means, that he was separated. And he, he, called, he, 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 he says this often, that the fact that he's an apostle. And for those of you who are new to the faith, perhaps you don't know what an apostle is. It, it, it is the, the meaning is one who is sent by God for a specific purpose. And there are um, unique 
people who are doctrinally wrong in churches who call themselves apostles. So if you see like a churches where the pastor is like, the apostle Hussein. No, that's not. Because in scripture, there are parameters to an apostle. In the book of Acts chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, Judas hung himself. He needed to re be replaced. You know the story. They were casting lots. But the parameters were, uh, were this. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must be a witness with us of his resurrection. So unless they were with the Lord, uh, saw the Lord, saw his resurrection, they can, that, that's the parameters. That's why there's not apostles today. All right? That's the biblical um, um, answer to that. Apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. And so here we see that Jesus was spoken of from the prophets, from the fathers. We know that on our midweek study, we're in the Old Testament, we're studying the life of David, and we know that God promised David that through his lineage would come the Messiah, that because David desired to build God a temple, God said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to build you a house, an everlasting house. And from his lineage, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, would be born. And that's why you have the genealogies of both Joseph and Mary in the book of Matthew and the book of Luke when they begin. It's showing you that the scriptures came true. It was prophesied that he would be from that lineage, which proves that Jesus Christ is fully man, which is another Christian doctrine. Jesus Christ was fully man. And then the second portion says more. Concerning his son Jesus, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, fully man, according to the flesh, and declared to be the son of God, he was also the son of God, God himself, fully God, with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So the fact that Jesus rose from the dead proves that he was God. Amen? So both fully human and fully uh, God. That is a Christian uh, doctrine. Though, verse 5, or through verse 5, him, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. Through him, he says, Paul says, we also received grace and apostleship for obedience. Our story with Jesus Christ, you know, begins really when we are born again. When we receive by faith in him the grace that only God can give. Before I came to Jesus Christ, I could not save myself. I could not do enough good works for God to say, ah, you were bad, but you've done enough good works to pay for your badness. Come into heaven. No one can do that. There's no good work. There's no religious activity. There's no feeding of the poor. There's no good works at all. That can save us. 
It is by grace. Grace is unmerited favor. Unmerited. That means that you didn't work for it. I didn't work for it. God gives you a free gift that you do not deserve, that I do not deserve. And that is what he did on the cross. That if we believe in that free gift, he did all the work. That's the good work. All we have to do is believe in him. And if we do, we repent of our sins. We are saved. That is the truth. It is by grace. Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. There are many churches who got it wrong. Who tell people they need to jump through hoops. They need to do good works. They need to do rituals. Oh my gosh, did he do the ritual? Did she do the ritual before they died? There's no ritual. You just have to believe in Christ. And follow him. Follow him. Because the demons believe in Jesus. And they're not saved. We have to follow him. Then, if we're truly saved, we'll want to do good works because we've been saved. By grace. But Paul says that he received grace for his calling, his apostleship, but also for obedience. So in other words, Christ doesn't just give us grace to be saved. But then God gives us grace to obey him. So for as long as you've walked with the Lord, or I've walked with the Lord, and people say, well, how have you walked with the Lord so long and still not fallen away and not turned your back on them? We say to that, it's the grace of God. Because as a believer, I have Jesus Christ to give me the grace every day to say no to sin and temptation, to say no to turning back to the old life, and to continue to walk with him. He gives me the grace to obey. Because, again, we think very religiously when we think, oh, I've given my life to Christ. Now, oh, I better muster up enough strength in myself to not sin. No, we don't have it. It's God's grace. We spend time with him every day and say, Lord, give me the strength. That's why he said, pray lest you enter into temptation. That's why I don't care how dirty and filthy we were in the past. We don't have to be that anymore because of Jesus' power and the grace that he gives us. And with the way of temptation, he always provides a way of escape. So people who are stuck in the, the pornography and the drugs and they continue going back to the vomit, back to the vomit. The problem isn't Jesus Christ or Christianity. The problem is you're not surrendering to God like you should. You're still holding on to it. They hold on to it and they say, I'm surrendering, I'm surrendering. Get your hand off of that then. You're not surrendering. You don't know what surrendering means. Jesus said, if, that call, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it from your, from your eye socket. It's better for you to enter into heaven maimed than into hell with all of your parts intact. That's letting go. He meant that spiritually. <laughs> Get a call from somebody. They cut their, they pulled their eye out. What kind of cult is he meant, he meant it's that serious of a problem. Take it serious. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. 
In Philippians chapter 2 verse 13, Paul would write, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Think about that. That right there should be like highlighted, remembered. Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you both to will. So he gives you the will. And he also gives you the grace to do. So how do we survive after all these years walking with the Lord? Not by power. Not by might. But by my spirit, says the Lord. That's how. And that's Romans doctrine. Roman, the, the doctrine of the book of Romans will tell a sinner, you can't make excuses for continuing in your sin. And when you go before Jesus, you can't say the devil made me do it. Because he has given us the way through the cross to let go and let God. Because God works in us both to will and to do. To, and then... Um, it says here, to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. I used to think saints were just little cards of the saints you had with the little, you know, Jude. Matthew, if you had financial problems because he was a tax guy. And a tax apostle probably knows more about money than God. I was told one time that, you know, that a lady said she prays to Mary because she's a woman. And as a woman, she knows more about what I'm going through as a woman than God does. But that's the thinking when you don't have the book of Romans being taught by your priest. You think any, any idea that you think is, you know, Martin Luther... They say of him he was too good of a Catholic to remain a Catholic. The whole Reformation was, you know, you know, sprung by a Catholic monk, German, who said to his German other monks, hey, have you read the Bible ever? No, it's not in German. So how do they know what God says? They tell us in Rome what it says. All right? And there was a time where, where you know, the church there said church tradition, church rule is equal to the word of God. They literally made that decision in one of their councils. I think the Council of Trent may be one of them. I don't know. But if I ever tell you that as the senior pastor, my authority is above this, just take me out back by that shed and just <laughs> and go find a good church no the word supersedes everything it supersedes tradition God doesn't want me to just oh why do you do it it's tradition it's like a what's the movie Fiddler on the Roof why do you do I don't know why we do what we do it's tradition what does the Bible say is it so hard to say what did God originally want us to do Let's do that. Is everyone in trouble in this book? Was like, hmm, you say that, but I want to do this. And it's not a knock on the people. They're sweet, wonderful Catholic people. I'm talking about church leadership that has turned away from scriptures. And they did it a long time ago. And we pray and hopefully they get back to, to where it all began.
Grace to you and peace. We'll end with this. Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a salutation that Paul does regularly. He says to those he writes to, grace and peace, man. Grace and peace. And we talked about grace, right? Grace is unmerited. It's a gift that you and I don't deserve. And then he says, and peace. Like, we can't have peace in this world. We can't have peace with God unless we first accept his merciful, gracious gift of salvation. Unless Jesus is our Lord, we can't have peace with God. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come on out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you'd like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills.